Welcome to the Johnny Cassell Show. This is your number one resource for dating and lifestyle advice. All right, guys. So this is going to be a fantastic live. Uh, I'm Johnny Cassell, and today I've got joining with me uh, the most amazing contemporary artist uh, straight out of New York and Miami. Uh, it's Bradley Theodore. Uh, I've seen his work all over the place. You know, over the years, I bumped into him purely by chance as he was commissioned to actually do some um, a mural in this fancy restaurant here in London. If I recall, it was Hotel Chantel. Um, but since then, you know, I've seen his work pop up everywhere over the years. He's done collaborations with Rolls Royce. He's had uh, his own sort of clothing line with Puma. He's done collaborations with Google Tilt, Moleskin. This guy um, is not just an inspiration if you're into art, but he's an entrepreneur. He gets it. He turns problems into solutions. He has insane social skills because you've got to have insane social skills to actually formulate such collaborations and get ahead of the game like this guy has. Uh, this guy's got a phenomenal story. Uh, I was sat up the other night watching uh, this documentary about him. And, you know, he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. You know, he, he came from a place where people around him didn't believe in his vision. And that really kind of like sat with him for a bit. And he was able to come out of that and actually, you know, blossom into what we know as Bradley Theodore today. And, you know, his, his work is recognized all over the world. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to bring him on and discuss his journey. Hey, guys, what's up? Bradley, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, you know, this is, you've got an amazing story, you know, and I, I'm, I, I'm not an art person, first of all, you know, you know what I do, I help you, <laughs> but well, yeah, maybe I am, maybe I am, maybe I, mean, I believe not, everyone's an art person. If you're not an art person, then you're actually walking out the street naked and you have, and you have no, you just, you're just like a zombie, you know, even a hoarder, even the guys with the little trolleys are picking up things that catch their eyes visually. So everyone's an art person. It just means that maybe you don't buy art, you know, but if you buy a nice pair of shoes, you're actually buying an art piece of right. art. Okay, that's know? one way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I think we all are art people. It's just society doesn't want to really uh, uh, give give you that vision that you are an art person, you know? Right. Have you ever gone to a house that looks like, like not all white, but nothing? Yeah. You know? No. no. You never, you know? Every, no. There's some piece of art. There's a couch. There's a, a vase, flower vase. There's a table. Every little element in a, in, in a person's uh, a collection of items has been touched or influenced by an artist. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, so, Bradley, what I want to do, I, wanted, like, I want us to like go right from the beginning because I watched yeah. a fantastic documentary of on you the other night, um, you know, and I found it on your page. And um, it really does just, you know, you really do walk the audience through your journey. And I think whether you're in the world of art or not, you know, we all go through that similar journey of maybe having moments of disbelief, um, listening to external voices, knowing that they're not relevant. Um, oh, yeah. And I found that you kind of went through that and sort of kind of, you know, build up your confidence through through a different way and um so can you tell us a bit about that because yeah you 
yeah, you grew up between New York and Miami. You was born in Turks and Caicos. Um, yep. You graduated from the School of Visual Arts. Uh, yep. And then you kind of, you know, transitioned. You, you had this back, back, background in tech. Am I right? Yep, yep. Yeah, um, it's funny, right? into an artist. Um, well, I'll start by saying that, like, I've always had the, 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 the impulse to do what I felt was right, you know? In terms of as a kid, whether it's, like, uh, you know, drawing or we used to, we used to uh, make take the milk cartons from lunch and, and make robots with it. You know, and every, everyone would get the milk cartons after school. And we'd all just create these things, you know. Um, but as you get older and you're in society, it's this or that, you know. You're either going to go into, you know, they say, are you going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or are you going to be, I mean, there's not, back then you didn't even have the whole concept of, oh, maybe you'd be a physical therapist, you know. Right. It was either you're a doctor, lawyer, nurse, fireman, policeman. You know, or criminal, you know. Right, right, so, right. You know, I mean, that's the truth. So we live, but but we really live in an abstract world where that's every day it's being created. Like, even if you look at today compared to yesterday, it is totally different. For whatever, whatever you saw yesterday, whatever you were yesterday, you will not be tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and this is where you as an individual have to kind of use, use what you've been accumulating throughout your life. Cause I believe that we all accumulate things through our lives, whether it's skills, friends, um, situations, memories, these things play a part in who we will be in the future. Right. For example, I was talking to a buddy of mine that went, that worked in the computer lab with me at school. And at the time, we were talking, it was me and another friend working there, and I and I, I stated, hey, let's start a, a server company and start hosting sites, you know? Yeah. And my buddy's like, no, 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 I'm sitting here looking at these computers. I mean, I think at the time we were using Wired Magazine. I was like, oh, I could afford this. And my friend was very technical, so I was like, oh, why don't we get together? We could partner up. We could start this server company, blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, oh, no, every excuse not to do it. Every excuse of how expensive it would be. Every single excuse. Four years later, if you were doing that, you were clocking a good 10 to $20 million. Right. You know? So you start to see how, like, in society, we have this pattern of people with the naysayers. The you know, naysayers, now right. Yeah, the naysayers. They're words yeah. from the haters, you know? Yeah. Um, where you may have an idea, you may you may want to express yourself, but then a hater will come up and say, "Oh well, no. Oh well, no." And the whole the whole part of it is you're trying to get them to join with you, you yeah. know. And this is something that that I've learned that sometimes it's not about them joining with you; it's about you making the decision and pointing to the direction of where you want to go. Right. You know. For example, you know, in your profession, uh, it's all about how to get a, a person out of their shell and into into the groove of society, right? Yeah. So I say look at it differently. You know, when people are trying to date, right, what are you actually trying to do? What are you trying to do? Well, we're trying to, like, make impact with someone. That's what you're trying to do. 
But what are you really trying to do? You're trying to make impact with someone. You're trying to connect with someone. You're trying to get something deeper rather than have a surface connection with someone. Yeah, you're trying to make a friendship. Right. You know, but in today's society, we don't, we're not trying to get a, make a friendship. We're trying to get laid. Well, that's a part of and it. That's a part of no, it. No, but I mean, uh, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's what our society pushes on us. Yes. You know? And even in, 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 um, in, in our commercial lives, in terms of work, we're just trying to get paid. Right. You know, we're trying to get the car. We're trying to get the watch. We're trying to get all this stuff. But if we were to look at it differently, how about we just make friends? You know? Mm-hmm. And how about in our, our work life, how about we just have, a, have an experience? Do a great job, have a great experience, meet people, and at the end of the day, sit back and, and, and remember that memory. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what I decided to do in my life is to is to have these experiences and really enjoy these experiences. You know? And then take the time out to to learn each step of the way. Right. And I use that formula to help me become who I am today as an artist. Right. So is there any sort of prominent sort of relationships that you formed along the way that kind of helped you kind of evolve as an artist? Yeah. All, all throughout my, my career as an artist, relationships that I had in the past yeah. made, they always popped up in my present. Yeah. You know? And it wasn't like, oh, I need to make a friendship with that person or I need this. No. How about I'm just nice to everybody because I know it's free, you know? You know what? And, and it's so true. Like when we met, it must have been like back in 2015. Was, yeah, uh, two, yeah, definitely 2015. And you were, yep. you, were, you were commissioned to do a mural on the wall of Hotel Chantel that was above the club uh, Bonbonniere. Yeah, um, yeah. The Selfridges. Whoa. That's Whoa, when we first met. And my impression of you was exactly as you described. You know, you were chilled out nice dude, curious dude, and genuinely intrigued about the individual that was standing in front of you, which was myself and my girlfriend at the time. And I could tell you, you, you got a heart of, heart of gold and yet you're a genuine dude. And well, it is that, it's that that goes, goes far in, in, well, in the I, I'll give you a funny story about that, that event. So yeah. my friend, my, a friend of mine in New York, who I was going to college with, Going to hanging out around college time, we're all we're all skateboarders, right? I can see uh, that. He, <laughs> so I was a skateboarder, and what? And my friend's sister introduced me to this guy named Kyle, Kyle Bryan. Yes, Kyle, I remember Kyle. So me, Kyle, we should always hang out, skateboard downtown. Kyle would run, uh, ran a club called Pink Elephant, and we would always go to Pink Elephant. Pink Elephant was the bomb. We'd have yeah. great times partying. Free drinks. You go see Kyle. He got bottles for you. So we became friends. So when Kyle, when I opened up my first uh, art fashion space in downtown New York, Kyle would come by. We'd pop up champagne and hang out. And then Kyle and I had a really massive, great crew. So when Kyle did a, had started work doing Hotel Chantel, I would bring my crew. And you know, in the beginning of it, it was dead. You know, yeah. but me being a party person and me bringing crazy party people. It was like, boom, energy to the system. And we were yeah. all just having a good time. Years later, when I was going through a rough patch, you know, I had, I had a partner who, who screwed me out of basically everything I had. 
Yeah. I mean, I've lost like, you know, I lost Lamborghini money, you know? Yeah. And I Sorry. was just like, That's you know, fast. I was like, okay. I had a, I was kind of on my last bit of cash. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. You know, but I would always go to Chantel and Kyle would be there. I always had a bottle. I never paid for drinks. You always look after. You know, I walk in with 20 people. We're all drinking for free, you know. But yeah. it's the same friend. Yeah. So, again, when Kyle asked me to come to London to do a mirror at his spot, I'm like, oh, no problem. You know? Yeah. And that's how we met. Yeah, that's you know? right. So, so like, I, it, it, it's, it's we, been insane. Like, since then, the timeline of events, like, you know, like the collaborations, I'm really intrigued to like dive deeper into that. Like, and it all ties back into what we're discussing right here. Just being that social animal, you know, and be given, you know, be very altruistic with your, your behavior and your attitude, not going out there to screw someone and see what you can take, but it's just that kind of, yeah, very altruistic attitude. I mean, the collaborations, you know, you, you, you don't align with Puma, you, you done, you know, the Rolls Royce. I mean, when I saw that Rolls Royce decked out the Maddox, outside the Maddox Gallery, and I, I saw your paint all over it, I was like, "That's Bradley's paint." Like, what? How has he managed to pull that off? You know. Um, and then I looked into further, and I, you know, kind of realized you've done collaborations with Moleskin and, and, and Google Tilt as well. Now, how does one, whether you're an artist or not, right, or you know, you're someone that, is, whatever business, how do you attract brands to want to collaborate with you? Like, what's that process? I think uh, one of the things you have to do is decide what is your brand. Right. By understanding who you are as a brand, then you would behave and act in accordance to your brand. But also, you know which brands you want to be connected to. Yes. So if you're high-end rock and roll or if you're underground chic these these little things that you're putting around yourself as your brand will will connect you to the brand that you want to be attracted to yes you know for example i mean i i've always been a downtown skater i hang out with you know i have a funny a funny story i hang out i'm in this bar with five girls right and we're all having drinks at my buddy's bar. And this guy walks in and he's like, hey, 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 you know, he's like, hey, uh, can I buy your friend some drinks? I'm like, I said, look, these are my friends. As long as you don't do any creepy stuff, come on, you can hang with us, you know? So he goes and he, he just skirts out the bar, you know, turns out multi, 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 multi. And, and for anyone watching, by the way, that is the rule. Like, if yeah. you're just like a normal dude, you can hang out with another normal dude with loads of fucking sick shit. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the out. code. As long as you do nothing creepy, we're good, you know? <laughs> that's it. If I'm hanging with my girls and they're like, oh, yeah, he seems all right. I'm not going to say not talk. Don't talk to him. But I'm going to also tell you, like, don't be creepy. Yeah. You know, we can hang out. You know, I'll kick your ass real quick. That's right. <laughs> you know? But again, you know, good fun, good vibes. And then turns out, the guy's like a head of a, I won't, say, I can't say exactly which company, but he basically owns the company. It was like billions of dollars. Right. You know? So again, the energy that you surround yourself with attracts, you know, the energy that you want to be around. And that it comes with, it goes with brands too, you know? 100%.
and it can go and it can go the other way you can surround yourself with a lot of you know you could be in a bad place and surround yourself with bad energy and then the task you actually have yourself is to get away from that to become oh yeah oh you know, yeah i think as a i think as a as an individual we have to know when we have to cut bad energy off yeah you know? bad energy should be cut off immediately no hesitation no problem, you know. It's not. It's not about the friend you, you keep. It's about the friends you don't get rid of. That's you know? such an important statement. What you just said there, it really is. Yeah, and, and and friends are a friendship is an agreement between two individuals that we will spend our we will spend time around each other's orbit, but we will respect the different rules that exists within each other's planets. I love that. So I love that. One thing I'm not afraid to tell friend, my friends is like, no, I'm not doing that. Or no, that's not what it's about. Time to go. Yeah. You know, and, and for a lot of people, that's, that's the most difficult thing. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a social contract. Yeah. We've, we've been, we've, it's like right now, social distancing. You know what I mean? I mean, you're my, you're my guy, but like, you know, hey, it's the rules. Yes. You know, it's like someone coming to your house and just going to your mom's fridge, and you just be like, "Oh, it's okay, it's my friend." <laughs> no, yo, bro, it's my mom's crib. You gotta ask first. Oh, okay. Can I go in your crib? She says no. Oh, okay. Yeah, she don't want you in the fridge. You can still hang out with me, but if you go in the fridge, we can't be friends. I love that analogy. That's amazing. Simple. <laughs> I think that was the biggest problem today is that, you know, everyone wants to be friends with everybody. I we don't. all had that friend, though, that did help themselves to m in, in mum's fridge, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, was mom, was cool with it. mom was cool with it. She's cool with it. If you have someone that she's cool with, it's okay, you know? But don't be afraid to, like, make the line with a friend. That's you right. That's, that's important. Even family members. So line. Tell me about, like, so, you know, when I was watching a documentary, like, you expressed that, you locked yourself away for a year to just yeah. focus and give yourself discipline. Can you tell I mean, us a we, bit what about you that? You really have to understand is that every night my phone would ring twenty times a night, and that's from what the party scene. Party scene, yeah. Where you at, Brad? Where's the party? You know, and my girlfriend at the time was, oh my gosh, I had to, I had to just turn my phone off. You know, yeah. it'd be like, eh, 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 can you get me in this club? Can you? And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna cut everything off, and I'm gonna spend the time to focus on what I want to do and learn something that I don't know how to do. You know, so That's, I think like we all yeah. like right now. This is the this is the time that we stop and we focus on what we want to do. You know, or what we really want to do because. Like, I was working on computers, so... Yeah, we're talking about a time where you haven't become an artist, right? No, and, and you no didn't I even know. totally... Like, yeah. Totally. I mean, I had this great schedule. I would go out, party until, like, 3 a.m., get home, jump on the computer, do work until, like, 8 a.m., go to sleep, wake up around, what, 2, 3 o'clock, go to the client, or email the, email the whatever the files at night, wake up, go to the client, get the client's response around four, two, one o'clock to four o'clock, and then go party again 
and then go back home. Maybe let's say I get, I remember I get, I go back home at like 2 a.m., you know, and then sit on the computer and, and, and kind of get the work done. Listen yeah. to techno music. Yeah, it's, that's the drug. That's the yeah, drug. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh it my God, it reels you in. Yeah, in college, we used to work on these mainframe computers, and these were like badass computers. There, one computer was two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you wow. know, and it was no interface. Uh, you had to use all hardcore like uh, Unix Unix scripts and all this crazy stuff. Right. Um. Yeah, that was Red Bull Coffee or techno music. Wow. Yeah. Quarter era. Hardcore. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> day. Yeah, that was a good day. That that's when it was like, wow, it's serious. Now it's just everything's on an app. Even you don't even have to use Photoshop on your computer anymore. You can just go on your app. I know. You can do most you of know. it just instantly. <laughs> yeah. So so you locked yourself away for a year, right? And then at this point, yeah, you hadn't really like mastered your craft. So you had what we'd say were virtual mentors, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. was that? I mean, that you you were going on YouTube, you were looking at like how how to paint, how yeah. You know, yeah, you know what it's like, you know, one of the things that you would learn in um in design school was the mood boards. Yes. You know? So for what I wanted to do, I wanted to find my style. But there were so many different styles that I didn't I didn't have the chance to experiment because I again I was in a computer course. I wasn't in painting class. So I would do these I would basically imagine a video mood board, you know? So I was filling up my brain with all these like from Picasso painting to Dali to uh, Harlem Renaissance paintings, all these little things, Renaissance paintings, documentaries about this artist, this theme, this, this, all these little things were my mood boards. And, and I would just take it and learn from them and, 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 and pull together a style. Right. And then, and then you did. You, you you come up with a really unique style. Like it was based on like skeletons. It's like Day of the Dead almost sort of style. I think. At and the and time, your colors, your paints are very. You know, the, the the selection of colors is. I mean, what was? How did you get to that place? I think it was at, because at the time, I felt that people, and remember, I was I was also a part of a fashion crew. Yeah. You know? So, you know, I would hang out with from Donny Karen to um, Kelly and Herrera. So at that time, fashion had became like super, super mainstream. Like underground fashion, when New York fashion had, we had, yeah, Ralph Lauren, Tommy Hilfiger, you know, Donna Karen, but everything had be, became mainstream. You know, yeah. Alexander Wang and H&M, and it was just like, everyone was becoming mainstream and there was no history to it, in my opinion. And no one were, people weren't even interested in the stories behind it. Great example, like Isabella Blow. You know, Izzy Blow was um, an assistant at Vogue, but she was also the um, the muse for, uh, for, um, for McQueen. Right. Yes. You know, yes. and every, every item that she's worn has been worn by Lady Gaga. Wow. Everything, the hats, every every piece that she's made infamous has been worn by Lady Gaga. And no one even knew who she was. That's right, yeah. So it was the idea that like people are walking around and they're only seeing the outside, but they're not seeing the inside. 
And that is the history. And so that's where that, you know, where that came in, where it was bringing you, you know, into a deeper, because at the end of the yeah, day... Yeah, it like, is deep. It's very, it's a deep thought process. Yeah, you went through to kind of bring that up. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's me and you are just, it's just, I could, we could be just like this, you know? Yeah. Just me and you hanging out. <laughs> just someone needs to screen grab that right now. <laughs> Let me see if I can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, I might just talk like this for the rest of the thing. <laughs> But you're right. And so so your first sort of um your first mural was Anna and Carl back in 2013, well, that, you're right? Well, that was actually funny because I was <laughs> I was painting at home one day and then I wanted to um get something to, to eat, right? Right. So I went to my favorite Jamaican spot called Miss Lily's. And yeah. randomly, my friend used to live right next door to it, right? And we would always, I mean, always party hard. And her back window was looking at um, Anna Wintour's balcony. Right. So the thing we did was we would party so much that, like, everyone in the, in the neighborhood would call the cops. And Anna would be, like, looking at us all crazy. So, um. You know, so it was funny because Andre and Tyler used to always be at her house and walk by. I'd walk by and he'd be like, hey, Brad. I'm like, hey, Andre. So I'm sitting at my spot, Miss Lily's, right outside because, you know, it's packed. I can't get anything. So I turn around and Anna Winter walks by. And I'm like, eat my sandwich. And I look. She walks right by. Hey, Brad. Oh, that's cool. So I decided to go home and paint Anna Wintour. But at the time, I was painting Carl Lagerfeld. Then I turned around and said, hmm, why don't I paint Anna and Carl together? So, boom, that's how it came about. All right. Can we have Bradley back now? <laughs> it's my stunt man man my face hurts it's, like, it's, just, it's quite funny I was right? believing that's who I was talking to <laughs> that's a remarkable story yeah like, it's funny that's how it um, come about that's incredible yeah I, I, I was at a party in 2005 for this model agency that um, I think Heidi Klum's the lady that found Heidi Klum is her agency mm. um, and Carl Lagerfeld was there. I was in Paris and uh, in a club called Le Suite, which was at the time one of the hottest clubs. Similar, it was a design of like kind of like Mykonos. And um, and Carl was in the corner just jamming. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, oh wow, I one day I'm gonna paint Carl Lagerfeld. And I wasn't painting at the time. So at that and that was the day that I was painting Carl that I walked and Anna walked by. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Wow. And then that's just been like, I mean repeated so many times right how many times have you made that piece not that many you know compared to a lot of other artists you know not not that many you know right. i mean in terms of a visual is it infamous yes 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 i mean 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think in terms of like at the time, social media wise, it's been shared over five million times. Yeah, well, it's it's you know it's iconic, and you know, and in in the context of our icons, obviously we've learned the story there of how you pick those icons to paint. But what about the others? You know, you had um, yeah, you've done you've done obviously the Queen, Mona Lisa, Prince, The Last Supper. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they, every, each uh, one these, has, are, these are quite, you know, you can't argue. Each, They're one all like personal, right. each one has a personal story yeah. to me. For example, um, Prince. I, I met Prince twice, you know. Um, one time we were in a, a party and we're in the VIP room, me and my uncle. I would have loved and, to met that guy at a party. Oh, oh man, God. it was funny. This is the funniest thing ever. And it was, it was these two girls sitting next to, next to each other. And they were dressed the same, kind of like looking like fairies. Yeah. And I was, I sat next to one. My uncle sits on the other side. He's talking to someone else. So I'm kind of like talking to the girl. I'm not gonna lie. I'm trying to back. Yeah. <laughs> I am literally trying to back. That's I'm what like, I remember from you. When we first met, you said that. You said something about macking or something. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna something. back. I'm gonna talk to these girls. <laughs> I'm getting a number. That was. <laughs> And I'm sitting down and I'm trying, you know, and it, you know, we're from Australia, we're in town for a tour. Oh, really? Oh, cool. And they're really nice girls, you know? So I'm talking to one of them and I'm sitting there, yeah, you know, wherever you have been in town, I'm in town, you know, and I was about to get a number, get a number. And all of a sudden the room stops, the whole room. I mean, this is a, a after fashion after party. So it's like deep, you know, the door was a monster to get in, a monster, literally. Yeah. They were like letting anyone in. I saw I mean, I saw about 20 A-list celebrities that were not getting in. They were walking wow. away. So we're sitting in the back, and all of a sudden, everyone's like, you know, you know, this is somebody coming through. This yeah. is somebody, yeah. you know? But I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on this. So I'm sitting there. <laughs> so all of a sudden, they come in, security comes in and moves the space in between the two girls, you know? And we're looking around. And then Prince comes comes over. It's just like I'm here, the girl's next to me, and then Prince is right there. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, these are Prince's, these are his background singers. Oh, okay. Yeah, the two from I think they're from Australia, Maite and Maita, something like that. Right. So I'm like, anyway, can I get that number? <laughs> <laughs> Prince, Prince leans over, he's like, you know these are my background singers. I'm like, yeah, but I, I, I gotta, I gotta get the number. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was trying before you came here. Like, he was yeah. cool. He was cool. He wasn't being yeah, that Prince cool. Cool dude, man. Cool dude. You know, <laughs> randomly, randomly, and God bless the dead. My best friend's father is actually Charlie Murphy. Oh yeah. Yeah, he just passed um, a couple years ago. So it's actually funny. Cool dude. Yeah, yeah. So that's so that that was the story behind why you chose to paint Prince. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and what about the Last Supper? Is that like is that what's the kind of story there? I think because I've always I've learned to paint uh, via uh, no I learned to draw. Now I couldn't paint, but I could draw. Very good draftsman. Um, but I learned to draw from Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci sketchbooks. Right. So, the Vinci sketchbook in particular. So, and I, as a kid, I, was, I think I was in, in junior high school, and which is, let's say, from the, from the age, 
11. Yeah, 11 until um, maybe 14, right? You guys have a different system. So yeah. what literally would always sketch and copy his his um his um his um notebook. So it was a piece that I've always seen. I've always wanted to paint it, you know. And I um I I I attempted it, you know, quite wild because when I completed it, um when I was doing the Moleskin collaboration, I went to Italy and we went and they're, they're like, what do you want to see in Italy? You want to go to which restaurant you want? We'll take care of everything. So I want to see Last Supper. And they're like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Guy gets on the phone, comes back. <laughs> oh, it's booked for like six months. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay. Does she want to do anything else? No. Let's do Last Supper. <laughs> yeah. So they made it happen. I went in there and then I, funny because I bought a bunch of books and at the gift shop, um, the girl working the gift shop was like, excuse me, are you Bradley Theodore? I'm like, uh, yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I'm a big fan of yours. Amazing. And she brought out the whole team that takes care of Last Supper. Amazing. They all know my work. They wow. know my Last Supper. You know? So it's, uh, you know? So how did, how did the Moleskine Club come across then? How did it happen, sir? I don't know. That was really funny because the Moleskine Club happened... I had walked into Moleskine's new store. The first time they opened it, we opened their store in New York. And I was like, wow, Moleskine. I remember this, I, you know, I remember this when I was a kid. And at the time, um, they did a couple of clubs. I was like, oh, I want, to collaborate. I want to collaborate with them. You know, so I talked to one of the store guys. I was like, hey, you know, you know who I talked to? He was kind of playing. He was like, kind of like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then a month later, Moleskine contacted me. Amazing. You know, it's just putting your neck out there. It's just putting your neck out there, asking the right questions, you know, getting to yeah. the decision maker, you know, because he didn't know. I mean, at the time, he didn't know my work, but then he saw my work and I left. And then he said he said to the headquarters and they're like, oh, my gosh, you, you know, and then it just went from there. They saw the Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, this is before the Rolls Royce, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw an interesting question pop up. And by the way, to the audience, if you've got a question at any point, Preferably, do throw them in the question box at the bottom of this um, broadcast, and, and towards the end, we'll, we'll actually open them up and, and get those questions answered. But so, how did how did the Moleskine Club come across then? How did it happen, though? I don't know. That was really funny because the Moleskine Club happened. I had walked into Moleskine's new store. The first time they opened it, we opened a store in New York, and I was like, "Wow, Moleskine!" I remember this. I you know, I remember this when I was a kid, and at the time. Um, they did a couple clubs. I was like, oh, I want to collaborate. I want to collaborate with them, you know. So I talked to one of the store guys. I was like, hey, you know, you know who I talked to. He was kind of playing. He was like, kind of like, oh, whatever, whatever. And then a month later, the most getting contacted me. Amazing. You know, so it's just putting and, your neck out there. It's just putting your neck out there, asking the right questions. You know, getting to yeah. the decision maker. You know, because he didn't know. I mean, at the time, he didn't know my work, but then he saw my work, and I left. And then he said, he sent it to the headquarters, and they're like, oh my gosh, you. You know, and then it just went from there. They saw the Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah, this is before the Rolls Royce. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw an interesting question pop up. And by the way, to the audience, if you've got a question at any point, preferably do throw them in the question box at the bottom of this um, broadcast. And, and towards the end, we'll, we'll actually open them up and, and get those questions answered. But 
I, I, I feel like a great question just came up and something that I will ask you now. How, I mean, do you see yourself expressing your art in other ways? Yeah, of course. Of course. Right. And what, um, what, like, what would the, be those steps and, and how do you see that? I kind of believe in community building, mm. you know? So one of the things I'm working on now is to build a studio in, the, in Turks and Caicos. Well, okay. And, you know, before this thing happened, oh, my God, I had the, this whole vision. Now it's like, it's crazy. But I want to build, like, this kind of... I want to build a community, kind of an artist little retreat that where everyone can come and express themselves in whichever media that they enjoy, you know? Really cool. So I like pottery, for example. It's one of my favorite things, you know? Um, and so I want to create... I'm not, I want to, I'm creating a pottery studio. Right. You know, so, and then I'm creating a music studio with, uh, with electric, for, for specifically for electronic music. Okay. You know, so. You still, um, your heart's still on the techno, huh? I love techno. <laughs> no, I just love it, you know. Yeah. I love electronic music. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, me too. You know, me too. It's I, a passion of mine. You know. So hip hop, electronic music. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think more so, but, you know, I could do this. I could pursue this on my own, right? Like I, could, I can do whatever I want now, you know? But yeah. why don't I build a place that also allows my fellow artists to come over and relax and, and have this tranquil experience of regrowth? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, um, but also like, in a beautiful setting that's just like so unreal. I just actually spoke with a friend of mine, um, an actor, and I was telling him, he was like, oh, I was just on my way, actually, I was on my way to start it, actually, before the outbreak happened. There was something you said in that documentary about when you were getting started, you, you were using analytical tools to see yeah. who was liking your paintings and what locations, where they're from, um, yeah. What were those tools? And can you tell us a bit more about, you know, how you were well, using them? At the time, um, you could just, there were third-party tools. Now you could do this in, in Instagram and in Facebook. Yes. So now you don't have to grab third parties. Now you can go into Facebook, go into Instagram, the and, location, and see your data. And, uh, but this, yeah. is, this is important data because you can sit there and say, okay, if I'm, if, if I'm hot in this region, this country, then I should put more effort around this country or that country or that region, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, also anybody can do uh, targeted ads now. Yeah. You know? So it's more, um, it's easier. It's at your fingertips now. You know, yeah. all you have to do is convert your, your Instagram profile into a community. Uh, I think it's community or a community. And then all the data is there for you. A, a community page or is it a business page? Uh, business page, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They call it community page. Right. Well, now okay. they call it business page, but it was, in the beginning it was a community page. Right. Okay. You know? But, like, I'll give an example, right? Um, this week I have not been that active. Mm -hmm. But, um, you can, okay, let's go to this. Okay, insight. 
so so I can pretty much see how many uh, um, views this one image or video has gotten. Right, it's back to front. Is like 10,000? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, you can also go to... Duh, 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 duh. So it's just using the, you know, the, the building tools on Instagram or whatever social medium you're using and just sort of reverse engineering your next step. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can, you can see, like, you know, being able to see where, which cities, which, you yeah. know, which countries. And, yeah. Like, all this data, you know, it's important, you know. It is. For example, I do have, I'm, you know, like, this, this is my following in the UK, but this is my US following. Yes. I see. You know, and again, you know, most of the work itself is is in the UK. Yeah. So only because it's just, I wanted to have that demographic of a smaller demographic that spreads fast. But at the same time, I have a larger demographic that loves the work in itself too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What was I going to ask? So, if there's anyone, I mean, I think this applies to anyone that wants to get started in anything, you know, but you know, there's going to be obviously artists here that have been following you. And, you know, I've shout out to my audience as they have an interest in it too. Shout out to Mexico. <laughs> we got some Mexicans in there. French as well, I believe, no? Yeah, Frances. <laughs> um, you know, some quick tips on like just getting started. You know, someone, I mean, now now is a time right now where people are, you know, they're really doubling down on their skills. They're getting, they're tuning into their creativity. They may be starting something for the first time. Um, from your experience and from your journey, you know, what are what are some go and get started tips? Right now in this situation, first of all, skill set. Yeah. You know, like 100%. If you can't cook, don't go to the kitchen. But yeah. If you can't cook, now's the time to learn. Yes, you know, I've been doing a lot of that lately. Yeah, second, um, you know, reconnect with everyone you know, you know, because right now, no, everyone's at home. There's Mm. people out there that are sitting at home with no one to talk to and want somebody, want to talk to somebody, but maybe you're not reconnecting them or they're not reconnecting you. So, right now is the time to reconnect with everyone. They're friends that, like, you know, I I just head up to what a friend of mine is, uh, Today, I was like, hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? You know, yeah. just reconnect, you know, get your connections. It's going, so cool. I've, I've been saying the same thing to my clients. I'm like, look, just think about the people you connect with, like in the history of your friendships and just yeah. pick up the phone. Don't just sit there and expect and think, oh, they should be calling me. No, I, just I, have recently, that higher level of social intelligence and pick up the phone. I recently called two guys I haven't, I haven't seen in 18 years. Wow. You know? Yeah, like these guys. These were friends of mine. I was like, "Oh, it's always a cool guy. Let me call this guy." You know, and he's like, "Oh, what are you doing? I'm in Jamaica. Oh, you want to come to Jamaica?" Another friend. He's at his own. He's at his own company. No, just reconnect. I mean, and I, I, the thing is that, like, I think we're all we're so used to just saying, "Oh, we're, we're popcorn memory. We forget about a person." Yeah, let's go back. Go back to that Rolodex. This is the time to say thank you. Yeah. You know. And even if the person is not doing what you're doing or there's no, um, you feel that there's no adhere, there's no offer to, to you, you're not really going to receive something, who cares? Yeah, it's not about Let's that. Reconnect. Yeah. 
Yeah. And would you would I be right in saying that the biggest sacrifice for you was it was just getting away from the party scene? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, yeah. You know, just cutting everyone off. You know, you know. I didn't. I that year I didn't really drink. Um, people would say, "Hey, what's up? I got my jet. You want to go here? Nope. You want to do this? Nope. We're gonna be in Miami. We got a yacht. Nope. Just focusing on work. You know, and yeah. seeing. I mean, honestly, you know, if you if and, and it, I think what you have to understand is some of this party scene is what we call New York fugazi. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's in London as well. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Gucci with with the C going in. You know, like Gucci. (laughs) It's like Gucci. Fugazi. (laughs) You know, and it's it's, a lot of these people just looking to hang on to something and don't have, uh, they're just, they're in the the head, you know? Yeah. We can all live in our head. And one thing I can tell you, have to stop living in your head. Yeah. Well, that was your no. biggest shift, right? Yeah. Yeah. Get out of living in the head and go directly to this is what's happening. All right. So let's say this, right? You've established yourself as an artist. Okay. You've, um, you know, you've had a few successes. Now, what would your answer be to someone that's looking to scale? Well, that's when you really start to... Um, look at global growth. Right. You know? So, and you could say global growth can be local. Mm -hmm. You know? If you're, like, for example, if you're a guy that you're in Manchester and you're trying to scale, then that means that you're you're not, you're going from Manchester to Leeds to London. You know what I mean? You're you're starting to widen your network, you know? For me, I mean, it was different because I lived in New York 20 years. I knew everyone. Yeah. You know, like literally, like from the bouncers to this, to that, to that. So all it was more so me just opening and reconnecting and growing slowly. And actually, when I when I used when I started painting, no one knew it was me. They knew my they knew the work, but I used a different name in the city. So when they saw Bradley Theodore, they never knew. They're like, "Who's Bradley Theodore?" So it was kind of like it went from like something super local to a local global because I was able to say, hey, talk to this person, tap into this, tap into this, tap into this, and then spread it, spread it, spread it, spread it. Right. And, and what was that? Like, that was just, like, opportunities to have your, like, work exhibited? At a yeah, but no, I, I, said no to, I said no to everyone for two years. Right. So it wasn't about, it was being able to say, I want to walk down that hill and choose who I talk to. Right. I want to be able to say, because I've already gone through that, hang around everyone, everyone, everyone. Now it's like, no one. And let me choose. And that's how you're going to get the collaborations with Puma, Rolls-Royce, Moleskin, Google, all of these top brands, because you haven't dirtied your brand with the people that came to you first. And, that you, you know, you just thought, yes, yes, yes. You waited and you're yeah. being selective with, and, you know, you understood what you wanted in the, in the bigger picture. I love that. I think it's very important. It's very easy to say yes um, at the early stages, I guess. You know? Oh, yeah. Very yeah. good That's discipline. one of the things when you're, you know, I, and I've seen this happen to a lot of artists. They get stuck where they're doing one thing because they said yes too many times. Yeah. You know, like they'll do a, they'll do a, come up with a concept and they'll go, oh, I want to do this. So it's like, oh, you want to do this? You want to do this? 
And now they're known only for that concept. If they didn't allow uh, uh, their work to actually grow in the minds of others, you know? Yeah. People see you as this, and now they need them to see you as this and this, but they don't have the time to grow. Oh, it's such a, this is such an important discussion we're having now in the subject of if you have a brand, how to protect your brand. And, you know, it, it's it's because you are a brand, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've been offered millions. I'm totally honest. I've been offered millions of dollars. I've been offered, someone walked up to me and was like, yo, we want to do this deal with you, blah, blah, half a million. Yeah. I said, no. No. Wow. That's balls. <laughs> balls, brother. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, yeah, I, I said no, because if you work, let's say I'm working with a good brand, why am I going to turn around and work with a brand that's not as known as the brand I'm working with already for, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll make a half million dollars, but how, how, how long does half a million dollars stretch after taxes? Yeah. Yeah. I love your thinking. Yeah. You know, and once I, once I stretch it, then after taxes, I have 250, you know, then I might as well, I might as well just kept on working. And, and, and I would have made the same amount without the tarnishment of my brand. Yeah. That's it. It's that tax always so, gets you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Taxes. Woo. <laughs> Corona and taxes. <laughs> Fuck your life up. They don't discriminate. They don't care. They, they don't care. <laughs> you know? This has been a great um, conversation, Bradley, so far. Um, what I'd like to do now is potentially open up to uh, for questions from the audience. So I'm just going to click on this question box here and see what we've we've got. Oh, turn the camera around. Right. Okay. Here we go. What would you tell your 25 year old self? Take an accountant class. Okay. That's some troubles in that department, eh? I, I almost did it. And I, I you know, I kind of like, I was going to do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I should take a, an accounting class. I don't care. I was, you know, just a cheap one. It was like, I think it was like $2,500. Yeah. And I never did it. And I regret it ever since. Take yeah. an accounting class. Yeah. Taxes will fuck you up. Yeah. The second thing I would tell myself, uh, my 25-year-old self, you know, you have time to fail. You know, yeah. you can fail now and turn around. And I, I actually was talking to a guy, you know, this guy was like six years old. And, you know, we're, I, we're, he was talking about, oh, no, you know, everything's changed, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, my man, you're 60. You have time to do something else. You just have to choose. Yeah. For a lot of people, that's very hard, you know. I mean, we had Hassan Moshedi um, on here the other day, and he, you know, he talked about the, you know, this word pivot. You know, you don't see yourself as a failure; you just pivot. You know, yeah. and I really like for a lot of people, like that, just that little bit of language really opens up opportunities. You know, yep. to be to be able to do something new for the first time, as opposed to dwell on the fact that they didn't complete, you know, that path. I'd share a story with you. It's actually interesting. Yeah. I met this guy at Rose Roy at a, at a Rose Royce dinner. Yeah, he was about seventy years old, and his son was buying a Rolls Royce. So he said, he started, he, "I said he was a cool guy." We started a conversation, started a conversation, 
So they sold the, he sold his company for $350 million. Wow. Right? Pounds, sorry. 350 million pounds. Yeah. But he said before that, he had, had was, he, he's planning, he was selling his company for 65 million pounds, and then the financial crisis hit. You know? Yeah. So when the financial crisis hit, he, he, could, he lost everything. So him and his son, they started the company up over and over again. They started over again. And they, so that week they were there. I mean, I think the month, that they're, the, the month before they came to Rolls Royce to this dinner, they sold the company 350 million pounds. Wow. Amazing. You know? So when someone says, oh I'm, oh, I'm too old, I'm sorry, but this 70-year-old dude Turned around and made three hundred and fifty million pounds. You know what it is. In certain times of life, you 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 lose. You know, you you have a financial disaster, right? But what you don't lose is you know your knowledge and your network. You know, you, yeah, you've got the tools that got you there in the first place, and I think at times just be reminded that that's still there. That's the real value. That's the real worth. Oh yeah, I, oh yeah. Tools. That's what people don't get. You know, if you have your tools, you can always work. There was another question that just came up. It was um, from a, a Caribbean artist uh, just starting out. You know, any advice for a Caribbean artist just starting out and trying to break through? Well, I think people, as an artist in the Caribbean, right, you're, you know, okay, no matter where you're at, you have to know your market, right? Once you know your market, right? So if you're in the Caribbean, you know that you're based, your, your economy is based on tourism. Right. Right. Then after that, you know that certain amount of people come because every every Caribbean country does a census on how many people come into the country. So this is where the accounting comes in. You go and you say, you know, this island has about two hundred fifty thousand people coming a year. Right. Yeah. From two hundred fifty thousand coming a year, everyone is going in with about expecting to spend about five hundred to a thousand dollars minimum. Right. So you can sit there and say, okay, I'm an artist and I have 250,000 people coming in and maybe out of those 250,000, maybe 25,000 people would buy art from a Caribbean artist, right? So I would do a little calculator. I love, I love the side that you're showing to your audience tonight and my audience. You know, this is a side for a lot of people they probably haven't seen. You know, I mean, you're not just Barbados. a phenomenal artist, but you're, you know... You got some. You got a good set. Of, you got good brains on you, buddy. Well, you know, you don't. If you don't have a good brains on you, know that you'll get end up in the gutter. Yeah. But check this out. You have fifty thousand people that would spend about no twenty five thousand people that would come to your that would spend about maybe one hundred fifty dollars, right? So, okay, within your market, you potentially have. $3,750,000 that are floating there. It's floating. That is not spent on your work. That's right. You know, every year. So basically, like, if you were to say 10 years of this, there's a pocket within 10 years, there's a pocket of $37, $37 million that you could ask access right so i think people aren't looking at the numbers you know one thing that, art, that you're not taught as artists do is look at the numbers if i can tell you 
that you have a 10 year market of $37 million. And honestly, to be wealthy, you only need five. Yeah. So how can you capture five million out of that thirty-seven million dollars that's that's going? That's the question. It's, no, the question is, did you know that you have ten years to get thirty-seven part of thirty-seven million dollars? Right. You know, so as a young artist, you're not thinking about the numbers. You're not saying, "Oh, wow, who am I going to sell to? Where am I going to sell? What's how many? You know, how many am I going to sell this?" And the great thing is that this is where you stop and you learn this from like, you know, you know, being on a, uh, 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 being on a, on a talk like this, yeah. but now that you know this, what are you going to do to get it? Right. Right. That's the other side to the question. Yeah. You know, knowing that the money's there, you know, and people will buy, but it's like, how do you reverse engineer a product to be put in front of their face? that they're going to like and enjoy and, you know, ultimately want to part ways of their cash. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember the Michelangelo, uh, Da Vinci. Brad, we, Brad, we, got, we got two minutes remaining. So you're yeah. okay to go live again. Yeah. When this ends. Yeah. 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 yeah sure. So, all right. We'll run this down and we'll, we'll, we'll jump back in. Go on, carry on. Da Vinci, Michelangelo, even Picasso were artists that were selling to individuals, you know, I mean, Picasso's best collector were a school teacher and a mailman. They, at the time of their death, collected over 170-something Picasso paintings. Wow. You know, and they died uh, late 80s, late 70s, late 80s, early 80s. So imagine that. These are regular people. So they can afford to buy a piece of art from Picasso. And one piece were turned around, I think they sold for $72 million. One piece. It's a ludicrous amount of money. But, you know, every year they would live off of one salary and buy a Picasso. Picasso. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Picasso died in 73. Right. Yeah. It was the death of the husband of, it was two collectors, a husband and wife. And when the husband died, the wife decided to sell the, the collection. And they lived in Long Island in a small house. Seriously, there's going to be so much value being pulled out of this, whether you're an artist or not. There's some core social elements that you can address in all areas of your life, um, especially in entrepreneurship and business, uh, which is what we kind of need in a time right now. I mean, everyone's kind of perhaps been a bit low. You know, there's been an incredible amount of losses across the field. But really, there's a massive uh, it's a massive time for, for great opportunity if we get our mindset in the right place. Um, so guys just tuning in, if you've got any questions you want to ask myself or Bradley, um, do throw them into the question box right now. Okay, we've got one straight up. Let's have a look. Uh, okay. So we have Embraced Essence says, would you ever take on mentoring? I mean, have you ever been approached, Bradley? Like, I mean, is that something to do? I think like mentoring is cool, but I mean, I don't have the, I mean, you know. It's the time. It's not about the time. It's about like, okay, I mean, I'm, this is probably the best, this is the longest time I've been here in my studio. I'm usually here for like three weeks. Right. That's it. Then I'll jump on a plane and I'll go to London or I'm in Dubai or I'm in Hong Kong, blah, blah. So, you know, and then mentoring is a little different. I think like it's, it's mentoring, you know, either Mentor is more referral. Somebody has, you have to know somebody, you know. 
because you have to let them in your house, your crib, your, yeah. I think I do mentor people. I, I actually mentor a lot of people, but I do it in my own way, you know, right. where I'll see someone working on something and I'll say, hey, dude, that's a good idea. You should continue that. And they'll be like, really? And then they'll continue and go, wow, that was a great idea. Thank you for, t- for telling me. And then also maybe you should think about this. You should think about this. I recently was, uh, someone tagged an artist, someone tagged me in a painting of an artist from um, Iran. Right. Who um, who repainted one of my paintings and didn't tag me on it. And, and you know, I, I actually mentioned, hey, you know, great work. I like your work. I think, you know, you should this and you should this. And, you know, and also you should always tag people with their work. And then we end up now being friends because I didn't know that, like my work was popular in Iran and apparently it is, wow. you know? Wow. <laughs> that, that, so, that, those statistics weren't showing up on the analytics, no? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, but you know, it's this thing as a man, as a person that you, as a person, as an artist, you have, you have, you, you know, as a known artist, you influence a lot of people, whether it's good or bad. So yeah. I rather leave a person with a good impression as opposed to, going in and trying to um, shame a person for what they're doing and, and encourage them to, to continue what they're doing and find themselves, you know, in that. Yeah. Okay, great. What other question we got here? This, this, what's this one here? What was the first gallery you were represented by and what was the process of applying for representation? Um, the first really gallery I did, actually, the first gallery I did a show at was a group show at Pop NYC which is uh, off of Bari and um, now it's off of Bari and um, Spring Street. And it used to be off of West Broadway and Houston. And it was a friend of mine who had a friend that knew the owner and he, um, he um, suggested me to do something with them and great relationship with them now. I mean, I, they, I send them work. Um, and then I did a show at ACA. Again, a friend of mine introduced me to the gallery owner's son and now he's now the uh, he now runs the gallery, um, Casey Bergen, and ACA is one of the oldest galleries in America, about 80, 80 something years, you yeah. know. Um, again, and you know, he was like, I don't know, Brad, I don't know. We don't represent new artists like that, but you know, he <laughs> later on called me back and said, you know, we like your stuff. Excellent, excellent. Um, I got a question for you, and this might resonate with people that. Um, you know, might be on the feed right now and they, they might find themselves to be good at their craft or this art or something else that's creative. Um, what kind of, I mean, I know what I would say, but what words of encouragement or guidance would you say for people to overcome their social anxiety, as it were, to talk to the necessary people that could perhaps open doors for them? Okay. Um, one of the things, actually, is a film that helped me out. Okay. By the last film by George Orwell before he died. Okay. Right? Legendary filmmaker. Um, and the thing about his films is, were, is that they did, they, they, they dive deep into human psyche. You know? Yeah. Um, his first was actually a radio show which was a, which turned into a film which was War of the Worlds. The fact is that you can tell somebody that it's something that the, well, it's the end of the world, and they look out the window, everything is fine, but they're looking in, they're listening to the radio, believing that it's the end of the world. 
Right, right, right. Well, that's very um, fitting for the for the time right now. The film that he did his last film is called Original Fake. Okay, and it's about the art world. And it, you learn one thing from that film: everyone who says they're an expert are not an expert. Right. You know. So, in reality. Unless you're talking about a skill set, you know, now skill set requires you to read or study something. Like, give example, that skill set doesn't make you doesn't make you an expert. Right. You right. So whatever job you're doing, whatever whatever you're doing, when you when you when you when you enter, let's say, when you meet someone that is in that industry, they have a skill set. Look at them that way. There are few experts, you know. Most experts in any field retire, retire early, you know. Right. But they don't want right. to do it anymore. They're like, I already know this. I'm out. I'm on an island. But <laughs> it's true. You know, I'm moving to an island. That I was planning on being on an island this year. I would be like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm on an island. Leave me alone. Right. So... When you have when you when you're walking up to a person and you're walking up to them because they have a skill set, you understand? Yeah. And you once you understand that, then you could you're able to you communicate with them and tap into their skill set. You're not afraid to ask them what they know because guess what? They want to tell you what they know because that's yeah. the only way that they gain their relevance. So, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. You know, once you ask. I mean, if you're sitting there and you're working, let's say, you, you know, you go to a lecture. So lecturers, they're there for people to ask some questions because normally they're in the office and they're bored and no one gives a fuck about what they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't give a fuck. No one cares about this fucking guy who, 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 who special to, speciality is doing whatever about a ledger. No one cares. The kids don't care. The wife don't even want to hear that shit. You know? That's the truth. Sometimes when I talk to people, they're like, oh, da, 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 da. Like, oh fucking guy, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah. But you must respect the skill set. So in, if you're in a situation and you're like, okay, I want to learn how to do this, so I'm doing this. Ask the question. When I started uh, uh, um, trying to understand the gallery approach and what was selling, I went into every gallery. I've been going to galleries for, for years, but I would always go into the gallery and say, oh, who's that artist? Oh, wow. Okay, where's he from? Oh, wow. Which one is the piece that everyone loves? And that's me gathering data from that that's person. Such an, that's such an important question right there. Right, definitely. You know? That's mm. if, even if you're in the fashion business, you go let's say you want to be a fashion designer, you go to every shop, you go, Oh wow, who's this designer? Or you buy a couple of things and say, Oh, which one who who sells the most out of this? Oh, that guy. Even if maybe a non-name brand designer, but it'd be a new designer who's everyone's feeling. Now you're learning, mm. you know. So never yeah. never be afraid to tap into someone's knowledge based on their skill set, not based on if they're an expert, you know. Yeah. Because you're an expert at nothing, but you have a skill set at a particular thing. Right. 
Right. Uh, you raised some really interesting points there. Even like tapping into like market research, you know, what's on the market, what's selling, you know, what's working, what colors, you know, everything. Uh, really cool. Guy, guys just joining or if you've been on here for some time, remember we've got a question box at the bottom here. We're, we're opening up to questions from the audience now. So if you want to throw okay, something this in. Is what, this is someone asks again. I actually, yeah. I do one print a year. I, one I print do a year. One print, I do one print a year. And also, and this is why I do the collaborations with Puma and so the people who can't afford the art can actually buy a piece. I mean, this yeah. right here, this is the Puma clap I'm wearing. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of dirty. So let me, I, um, it's something that will, like, I won't do again. This is it. So it in itself is a piece of art that can be collected. Right, right. Is there, is there anything like in the pipeline? Like what's what's coming up? Like have you got any new icons that um, you're going to be playing um, in? Is there any collabos? Collabos? That, uh, collabs? Yeah, there's some conversations uh, for some collab collaborations. Um, I really just was focused on building building the studio. Um, um, yeah, just build, focusing on the studio, and then I have a couple collaborations that I can't say. So what do you do? What do you, you know, man, you know, you've, you're established, you know, you're making decent money out of this. Um, how, how do you celebrate your wins? I mean, the thing about being an artist is that the worst thing you can do is celebrate your wins. I mean, you could live well, but like not too well, you know, and you just don't, it's just bad, bad luck. Right. You know, um, it is in America, you know, every artist that has done it has like, you know, so you kind of like focus on the work and creating more work and more work and more work and better work. You know, you don't sit there and you don't stop on your, your, your laurel, your, you know, you don't just say, Oh, I've done it. I don't need to do it again. No, because there's, you need to, you do, you need to do more. You need to make it better, you know? Yeah. So every painting has to be another painting that's better than the last painting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a musician. You're only as good as your last hit. Right. You know? So in a, in a way, as, as an artist, you have that same thing. There's a point where you're, you, you, you reach an infamous status and you can kind of relax, but I'm not at that point yet. Right. You know? And again, no, anyway, I don't run... you're, you're getting there, man. Jesus. You're doing all the right moves. No, there's some, you know, there's a lot more I have to do. Yeah. And when you come back to the UK... Well, no, no time soon, but like... <laughs> no, I'm not going anywhere. You anywhere. I literally only go... I only. I, I literally only hang out with like two quarantine groups and that's it. Yeah. You know? I don't go... I'm like... I'm I'm here and then I'm going to go to the... Yeah. And uh, they, they're going to quarantine me for 14 days. Yeah. Yeah. But right now I'm working on a piece for a client. Uh, she's waiting about two years for this. So I'm just starting right now. Okay. What? What? Actually, what actually it's actually one be? piece, and it's, it's going to be two because she wants one for her office. Uh, it's a portrait of her. Okay. Yeah, it's not started yet, you know. Amazing. Well, Bradley, look, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to add on? No, I think more so. Any other questions? Yeah. Uh, so let me, let me scroll through. 
There was a question about why do you choose skulls? I mean, I know we kind of went over that like on the first part of this, but uh, yeah, feel free to share. I think with skulls, um, skulls are just they're honest. You know, it's like with this guy, Laddie. <laughs> We've seen enough of that guy tonight. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's the truth, you know? I mean, it's the only time that you're, like, you know, we're too busy wrapped into what someone looks like, what they sound like, what they dress like, and we're not honest about who they really are. Yeah. You know? And I think with, with the, the thing about Skulls, it, it just it's all about stripping a person down to who they really are. You yeah. know? So, in the end, it's only you. And that's it. Yeah. I like that. Right, oh, we got... Two more questions here, I think. Let's have a look. Uh, do you think the art market will be the same post-corona? The thing that most people have to realize is that the art market, art in itself has... I mean, technically, art ha is the only, the longest, highest valued investment in history. It's art first, then real estate. Right. You know, and then gold and diamonds, et cetera, et cetera. But art is, you know, if you had a Roman sculpture, uh, if you had a small Roman bust from, that you inherited from a great uncle, does that value go down? Right. Art has no value when we all die. When the end of the world happens... And I know humans to enjoy art, that's when art has no value. Until then, art will continue to be the most coveted and value, valued item that is created by man. Meaning that water is the most valued and coveted item on earth, but art is the most coveted item created by man. Yeah, I mean, it's so overlooked as well. I mean, it's, it's just certainly something that we, we all need to become more educated on. Yeah, you know, I, I feel it's like, it's not that it's overlooked, it's that, you know, we're too busy, we're living in the, we're living in the, the a kind of a, people live in a pop now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like where everything is taken for granted, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. no one can really, unless you really understand art, art, then you can really see it. The next question I'm an artist with a bachelor's in art, uh, in art studio and graphic design. I've studied for a few years now. Um, what shall I do next? I think was the end of that question. Well, every artist should do one thing first. You should log on to Khan Academy and study economics. You know? Um, that's that Khan Academy, that's a, that's a free academy, right? Free academy. Yeah. Finance and economics, you know? Yeah. Second, you should decide, you should look at artists that you like and mimic yourself after their behavior. You know, not their style of work, but how they treat their work and how they go about doing their business. Right. Yeah. Success leaves clues. We got ACA over there, ACA Galleries. 
Cho. Yeah. Uh, how did how do you experience how do you, what did you say? How did your experience teaching and also in the fashion music industry in New York City like shape your trajectory? I think one of the things you that I learned from the music industry and fashion industry is you learn when what when to pivot, and then in the music industry you learn to keep your ear to the street. Interesting. That's a very good answer. You know, and what I mean by street doesn't mean like you have to be hanging out in the hood. No, you know? but you keep your ear to what's what's moving the people. What's the you trend? Know, you look, see what's the trend. You know, I mean, Andy Warhol reinvented himself three times. Yeah. So it wasn't that Warhol was like, Warhol didn't, he was done. He just kept innovating because he was there. He's like, oh, is that hot? Oh, 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 okay. He kept his eye out there. I think think as well, like maybe a a fear would be transitioning to that new identity, you know, shedding that skin. I can, I can, yeah. I can sense that would be uh, what would hold a lot of people back. But I guess what we're discussing here is the consequence of not doing that is you're not going to be relevant. Yeah, and when you're not left relevant, you're that crazy, stinky uncle in the corner of the room. <laughs> you know, Uncle Stinky. <laughs> All right, we've got a couple more questions that have come through. Um, okay. How did you increase the visibility of your art in particular outside of galleries? Oh, actually, I was visible. Before I joined the galleries, I was visible. Because of the street art? Yeah, at the time, everything changes. Now it's social, but before it was street art. So street art was the, was the, uh, was the voice of, of the unheard artists. So I went that route because I felt that um, I, was, I had always been involved in it. But I actually started doing the strip because New York got really, really, like, commercialized and the art world got copied. Everyone's copying everybody. Everyone was copying. Everyone's copying Banksy. There was, like, stencils and, and every Banksy ripoff. Oh, my God. It was vulgar, you know? Right. And actually, my first walls are all hand-painted. Wow. Like, they're hand-painted like I do a canvas. You know? Yeah, I've seen, most, I've, seen, I've seen on the videos you're doing that, yeah. Yeah, and that's not easy, you know? I mean, most of the walls in the city, no, I mean... That's I great. Have, yeah, no one touched my walls, tell you the truth. Wow. And that, for New York, is quite epic. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had walls in the city for five years, and not one person touched it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. All right, well, what, any more questions we've got? Um, I think that's it. Bro, I mean, it's been like, it's been great spending time with you tonight. You know, you're giving me a more closer insight to your world, you know, um, your background and, you know, how you come up. Uh, but most importantly as well, like, the value that you've shared, you know, it's all transferable. No matter what you're trying yeah. to achieve in life, I mean, you know, it's it's this is this is what's so important about having these live discussions. You know, there's just so much where that resonates with people. You know. So. Well, I believe this, right? Um, and the one thing you learn about the streets of New York, and in New York being streets, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, whether it's up East Side, downtown, 
on the west side, you know, Staten Island, Long Island, you learn that you have to prevail. Right. There's no, and there's no falling to the wayside. Because even, even if you fall into the wayside in New York City, you still have to grind. Yeah. You know? It's not like, you know, where, like, you can just, like, you know, be a bum and drink all day. No, they work, you know? Yeah. So this is what you learn. You learn that, like, you have to give it your all. You, you can't stop, you know? So even now, when everything is, the world is, like, in a chaotic place, you can't stop. That's not a question. It's not a That's right. That's right. You know what I mean? It's, it's an absolute tragedy if, like, we, we come out of this um, pandemic and we haven't grown, you know? No. Like, it's... The geez. worst thing you can do is do the war with me, war with me, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. No, you can't do that. That's the worst. What Bradley, you do? I, got, I got a final question for you. Now, in a world of painting so many icons... Who would you have your last supper with? Who would be around that table? Wow. <laughs> Living or dead? Um, either or. I would do, honestly, I would do Jesus. Right. Muhammad. Mm-hmm. Um, Picasso. Dali. Uh... Pope John Paul, you know, yeah. <laughs> Mother Teresa, yeah. Gandhi, Malcolm X, Martha Luther King, Queen Elizabeth. Um, yeah, a couple of people. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. It'd be an All interesting right. table. Yeah, it is an interesting table. It'd be a vibe. <laughs> yeah. I got my brother from, from Bahrain over there. What's up, brother? Excellent, man. Well, look, Bradley, I'm, I'm going I'm to wrap it up. Um, look, thank you so much for you know, sharing your time with us. Um, it's been fantastic. I know a lot of people got a lot of value from this. Um, anything coming up or anything to look out for? Um, wow. Well, I would say that I am going to do, I'm going to release another, I'm going to release a, a shirt um, for all the, you know, a lot of my fans that are at home and they, you know, just just for, for giggles, you know? That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And some other stuff. And, and when will be a release date on that? Well, I don't know. As soon as uh, the printer works. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. As soon as we get them out of quarantine. All right. But until then, I'll, 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 until then, I'll just work on the paintings. Yeah, well, you're doing a great job, buddy. Seriously, you're killing it, you know. Um, and I'm blessed to be able to meet you in the circumstances I did and, and then see your work just pop up all over the place, you know. The um, universe, man, yeah. brings us together. It certainly does. And and a thank you to the audience as well that have tuned in tonight. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, stay tuned because we have a guest on every every Tuesday. So um, Thank you, guys. Yeah. 100% appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. So there you have it, guys. I mean, that was a fantastic broadcast uh, with Bradley. Um, wow. Like, that's the first time I've really sort of dug into his brain and kind of, you know, just kind of discovered uh, the genius behind the brand, really. Um, this guy had some nuggets, you know, whether you're in the art world or not. 
there is stuff you can instantly go and apply. You know, I'm doing these broadcasts right now to inspire, to lift people up, to encourage people to go out and try something new perhaps for the first time. There has been no uh, opportunity like this before, right, in our lifetime. And hopefully we won't be in a situation like it again. But we want to come out of this um, pandemic, you know, with growth, right? So if you're thinking about being creative, you want to move in that direction, move down that path, now's the time to start. If you're thinking about starting a business, now's the time to start. If you're thinking about building up on your dating life and your skills, now's the time to start. Guys, thank you again and uh, God bless you. And I will see you again next Tuesday. Adios. If you enjoyed the content, follow me on Instagram at London Dating Coach. 